Hello, junkies. Welcome to Story Smack. This episode is on the movie The Gamer's Darkness Rising, a fun indie movie. When we did this, this was our first Story Smack that we live streamed. Uh, we did it on Twitch, on YouTube, and on Facebook. And as part of the live stream process, the learning pains, we screwed up the audio and did not get audio out of our fancy microphones and had to use the audio that is built into the cameras that were watching us. Needless to say, the audio on this episode is not very good. You can understand what we're saying. You can get the gist of everything, but it's not the buttery smoothness that you're listening to right now. Just giving you a heads up on that. So if you want to turn it off, no problem. And we do play a bunch of clips in here too. And it was the first time we tried this. So a very different story smack for you, but we just wanted to give you a heads up that the sound quality is not up to our usual par. We hope you enjoy the story smack anyway. Welcome to Story Smack. The new format for Story Smack is the what I like to call my big PPPPP. What? Wait, what? Yes, my big PP PPPP. P. Yes. Yes. So before, what we would do is we would go through the movie kind of a minute by minute and uh, recount our experiences watching the movie. We thought that got a little long in the tooth, so we're going to try and break it down more. I mean, you guys watch the movie. We're going to talk about some key parts of the movie. Uh, and the first thing we're going to talk about is the particulars. The first part of my PPPPP. Did I mention it was a, it's a, because there's five of them, so it's a big PPPPP. Okay. Could I know what the others are in advance? Or do I only just no, you get to, we'll go through it. The particulars. The movie is called The Gamers, Darkness Rising, produced by Dead Gentlemen Productions. This is a group of filmmakers located in the Pacific Northwest. They met while attending Pacific Lutheran University in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, it is distributed, was distributed by Paizo, and it was released at Gen Con in Milwaukee, in 2008. I don't know if I was there or not. I may have been there. I can't remember. That's I can't remember. Fun. Yeah, uh, this movie is available on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can get it. If you have, uh, And also, it is on YouTube in full. But I don't know. That doesn't look like Dead Gentleman Productions posted that one. So, um, you know, if you can watch it on Amazon Prime, that's the best way to go. And I would have found more places you could watch it. But I frankly just ran out of time getting ready for this this morning. Um, but remember, I don't know how people get paid for streaming, but obviously the more views that independent filmmakers like this get on Netflix and on Amazon Prime, the more likely they are when they go back to Amazon Prime with another product that Amazon Prime will like, here's a bunch of money and everybody wins. So try and watch Amazon Prime if you can. And, and remember, I mean, in this way, Amazon is kind of Skynet in that they know how, um, how much of the movie you watched on Amazon yes. Prime. The, yes. the, all those analytics matter. Those matter for us too, um, book-wise, like at Audible and at Amazon for eBooks. So um, if you have the option to watch it on Amazon Prime, that would probably be better for them. Seth M. Davis says it is also on the Fantasy.network. I'm going to check something out here. I hear that. Yeah, because you have headphones on. We're not on the microphone at all. Oh. So talk a little bit, eh? Can, can you guys hear right? Can you guys hear me? I can be a little okay, bit louder. Screw it. We don't need, screw it. <laughs> we don't screw need it. headphones anymore. And uh, for the folks, there are a lot of folks who are saying, here, do this. It's you got to line up your OBS sound card or option with your uh, iMac option. And every time we done do it. that, done yeah, that. Every time uh, we do that, the sound goes off. I've, so. I've done the fundamentals. I have checked our sound settings. Something is off somewhere else, and we'll figure it out. Well, then, Later. now I have no makeup, um, no headphones, no nothing. Did I mention that who said, somebody said, 
Sound is back, but buzzing? No. Uh, I highlighted it earlier. Somebody said another place that uh, it is fantasy. available. Fantasy.com. Fancy. Is that where you see it? Fancy.com? Uh, no, a little further up. Like so, this? Yeah, like that, maybe. Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, whoever oh, there posts, it is. There is. also on the fantasy.network fantasy.network you can watch this movie so that is the particulars let's move on to another part of my pay the oh, plot dum, dum, dum. I'm going no, to give you yes. Scott you said uh, if you did any kind of D&D if you played you would love this movie and I in my entire life have played two maybe 2.25 yeah. uh, games of D&D one was for charity one was well, the, I did with him. He got to watch me play. I played once, like half a game as a kid with my brother, and then I got kicked out. And then I was some kind of whoever I was in the was party. We were, I had we were, a, a oh. bag of weapons, and um, when we got sort of trapped by the bad guys, I decided what did I was going to do? Teach the horse how to talk. Isn't that what you did? No, that was Trisha. She was going to mm. teach the troll how to read. But um, I decided instead of handing out those weapons, I would inventory them first. And everybody's like maybe give us something. And I was like, well, we have to see what we have on hand. It didn't go well for our party. It didn't, a, it didn't a go took, well. We were role-playing for one hour as part of a charity event for world builders. It didn't go well. And A spent 20 minutes trying to convince us she needed to inventory her weapons in her bag of holding. Inventory so everybody's weapons. We, and, and then between <laughs> that and uh, we were also gaming with Trisha Narwani, who's an editor at Del Rey. And Trisha, who was a bard or something, she decided she was going to learn how to communicate with her horse. She's going to teach so, the horses to read. <laughs> our one hour, one hour of gaming with other authors and super fun stuff, we made it out of the pub and then never made it past loading the cart because we were inventorying weapons and teach teaching horses to how to read. So we can relate to this movie incredibly, incredibly well. The plot... All Lodge wants is for his gaming group to finish their adventure. Unfortunately, they're more interested in seducing barmaids, mooning their enemies, and setting random, random villagers on fire. Desperate to rein in his players, Lodge injects two newbies into the distrust. A non-player character controlled by Lodge, who the power gamers immediately distrust, and the rarest gamer of all, a girl. Can the group overcome their bickering to save the kingdom, or will the evil necromancer Mort Kemnon triumph unopposed? A parody of fantasy films and the adventure gaming community, The Gamers, Darkness Rising, is a hilarious route through the world of sword and sorcery. In this case, a world of exploding peasants, giant house cats, and undead roast turkeys. Game on. Hey, what do you have to say about the plot of okay, this movie? so... I had to stop Scott a whole bunch of times, or ask him to stop the, the movie, both times that we watched it, to be like, okay, so what is actually happening? Like, I didn't quite understand that the non-player character is still controlled by the game master until I asked him about it, things like that. So for me, it was really fun because it, it if you didn't game a lot, um, and you know, you don't hate on gamers, because what's the point of that? Um, then you can be like, okay, I don't get why we're doing this, but I'm game. And I did that a handful of times until finally I sort of thought I got the whole thing. And then um, then I realized, I, at that point, I sort of realized that that's why you roll the dice. Like the power behind the action is, is also influenced. And it started all over again. So I loved it. Uh, that is the plot. And I, I will... I will say that uh, hats off on this. Hats off to Matt Bansell, who is the director and screenwriter. The script is 
fantastic. They wrote, and this is what we're trying to do now uh, on a, I would say probably a higher level, um, trying for a higher budget movie than this. It's writing a script for a movie that you can actually shoot. I've got a whole trunk full of scripts that would be 200, 300 million dollar yeah. films to shoot. And uh, obviously that hasn't happened for us yet. But we are now, when we do write scripts, when we do take a break from writing between books, we're writing scripts that uh, a handful of people who are talented filmmakers could go out and shoot on a very, very limited budget. And uh, by limited, one of the budgets we're trying to appeal to is like a million bucks. So that's a lot more than I think went into uh, to The Darkness Rising. Speaking of, it's time for another one of my big P's. Oh, Lord. Production. Production. We were unable to find the budget. If any of you... Oh, Peter Bryant's in the house. Hey, buddy. If any of you can uh, jump on your Googles and find out the budget for the gamers, The Darkness Rising. Not the gamers, because I found the budget for that. That's the one that precedes this. We would love to know. I could not find it. This was mostly shot at Fort Flagler State Park in Washington State, with and shot on location in Seattle and Tacoma, the Pacific Northwest, where I spent my sixth and seventh grade, and <laughs> I absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, production notes: Obviously, this is a low, low budget movie, and they did well, make the they, most of it. Yeah, they absolutely had some budget for CGI. It wasn't great they CGI, did. but they it did. was CGI. Well, but in two thousand eight, it wasn't bad though. I mean, that's twelve years ago. It wasn't yeah. you know? It I wasn't mean, the I Avengers, think, but it wasn't bad. No, but I, I also think that they intentionally leaned into the idea that they were an indie flick because it it was. It was maybe not, it probably could have been a little more realistic than it was, but the cheese factor of like their title cards and all that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they probably purposely did that. Uh, we, I forgot, we have the trailer. So I know I've screwed up the audio, but hopefully this works. There's no audio yet. Here it comes. There is a great evil in our land. The vile necromancer of Mort Kemner has discovered the mask of death. You are on these lands. These lands belong to the king. Your reign of terror ends here. By the light of you shall fall. You can't use a lightsaber! <laughs> it, it's not even the right system! Let's role play through this. I'm just playing my alignment. That was a decidedly evil act. You see, I add my anti dex bonuses to my crit range, and I get an extra attack every time I land a critical hit. Why are you wearing a dress? What? Oh yeah, right. Tag! We fall out of character a lot. <laughs> Lose 50 flip. experience. <laughs> so, what happens next? Uh, anyway, he gets on his motorcycle and they're they're off to get waffles. Uh, so we've got two more clips of the movie, which we will share. But first, time another P. There's another big P. Another part of my big P P P P P. We're talking about people. Okay. People. What did you guys think I was going to say? We're going to talk a little bit. Director Matt Vansel, who wrote and directed this movie, he started out with Demon Hunters, which is an indie film. Then he did The Gamers, which is like a shorter, lower budget version of The Darkness Rising. We haven't seen The Gamers. Then he did uh, Demon Hunter's Dead Camper Lake. <laughs> Dead Camper Lake. Dead Camper Lake, which we may watch in the future. Then Darkness Rising, which we're talking about today. And then he did 
Gamer's Hand of Fate, when they moved over to card games, which we will be smacking later. You know what? I forgot something. This reminds me of something. You haven't actually told them if you liked it. Oh, I loved it. I, I loved it. We'll get to that. I don't have a P for that, but I'll whip something out. Uh, I have a screenplay that I wrote that takes place at Gen Con. And I think oh, I can find yeah. it. I think we might have to, yeah. we might have to live stream that if we get some people together for it. Yeah. And it's very much like this. We wrote it in, we wrote it so that we could go to Gen Con and shoot a lot of it there. Uh, what? You're right up, um, one up from there. Oh, okay. Uh, there we go. So we have, um, we could probably live stream that. We'll have to get, uh, cause I've been thinking about one of the things we could do with this show is, uh, we could get some of our actor friends who are sitting at home doing nothing who might want to be able to read a part, do a fun thing. So we will work on how to get other people on the stream. And then perhaps, perhaps we will do something, but it is, it is uh, probably not, mine is probably more violent than hands of fate, but it's based on a card game, cosplay card game and go to Gen Con. Of course, everybody's getting murdered because it's, it's a slasher flick set at Gen Con. We'll have to dig that up at and, some point. Uh, Howard asks, uh, back in the day, didn't you write material for tabletop games? Oh, yes. Yeah, tons, tons. Yeah. That's how I got started. I wrote, I wrote books for champions. I wrote an adventure. The first thing we got published was an adventure for White Wolf called Seedshire, which was kind of uh, undead monsters converging on a little uh, halfling hamlet. And, and then I wrote for um, Silent Death, which is still one of the best tabletop games I've ever played. It's a space fighter game. Came out at the height of Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica and Battle Beyond the Stars and a bunch of movies like that. So I've written four games from Square One. That is that is how I started out writing in sports. And then I was writing adventure games during that too. And then all of that went into me becoming a writer because just, you're just sharpening the sword, no pun intended. The What else we have here as far as the people? The actors, Nathan Rice as uh, Sir Osric slash... Lodge, so he was the game, he was the uh, DM that you saw there. Carol Roscoe as Daphne slash Joanna. Now that was an interesting part because she hacked the math of the system. And this actually happened in my, we used to play a game called Champions, which is a superhero role-playing game. If you played Champions, put it out, uh, put it in the chat room. But superhero version of D&D. And I played with not one, but two future PhDs in my group. And they all hacked the math for the thing. So what you do is you start out with 100 character points and then you get base 10 in like strength, agility, dexterity, all these things. But then you can buy up points in certain areas. So if you're a, a big, strong brick, you buy up your strength to a certain level and then you that comes at a cost of other points. And then you can buy down like dexterity, go from 10 to zero and put those points something else. Our guy figured out that if he, I'll try and remember this, if he made his strength a million, and then took points off of that based on other things. I can't remember what, we wound up with a guy who could punch the earth into the sun at any time. But it was, according to the rules, it was 100%, it was accurate according to the rules. I mean, but that would destroy him too. Well, it, no rule you system is perfect. You can see why my brother didn't let me No rule system is perfect, <laughs> yes. Uh, but, so watching people hack a system, when you get a bunch of smart people, which you often have with nerds who role play, People can be nefarious with the system and do things that are either taking advantage of the rules or circumventing the rules, which we saw in Darkness Rising, mm -hmm. when they're arguing about which rule system to use and have to argue with the game master in order to use a character. Right. And then there's a part in Darkness Rising where um, <clears throat> when the 
when the non-player character and the girl gamer join the 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 raiding party, I don't know what you call it, join the crew, um, <clears throat> one of the regular players decides he's going to be a bard. Um, and it kind of works for him and doesn't work for him because I guess he's not the most skilled mathematician for gaming the system exactly. So eventually they just keep killing him like they kill Kenny over and over and over and over and over again. Spoiler alert. And he games the system by sort of saying like, okay, but every time I, I permanently lose a level every time you do this. So I'd like... I can't do anything. And so now I'd like to introduce new characters. So he has a handful of his friends or employees or something. He, he runs a gaming store. Yeah. Create a whole bunch of character pages. And he just keeps a, a new thing each time, uh, which factors gorgeously into the ridiculous plot a little bit later on. And that's why this movie was also a lot of fun for me, because I was a lot like Lodge, the main character, which is an aspiring writer. And I honed all my storytelling abilities through role-playing with my buddies from junior high and from high school. So I learned I learned all the meat and potatoes of the stuff you guys read whenever you read one of the books, listen to one of my books. All of that comes from uh, watching human reaction as I'm telling stories in the world of D&D. And I, of course I had things scripted out, so the fights were fairly, like you kind of knew what was gonna happen. But the main, the main aspect was introduce a plot element, drop a line of dialogue, watch the reactions of the players. And you could tell when you were writing stuff that wasn't any good because they would get distracted. I mean, now people would be on their phones all the time. But back mm -hmm. then, you know, they were goofing off, telling jokes with each other. But when you had them by the short and curlies and you had, you know, eight people like leaning forward in their chair waiting to see what happens next, it was magical. It was part of part of me knowing what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hang out with those guys. But I wonder. I want to write for other people. I, see I don't those, even like those, those guys, guys anymore. I mean, you do like those guys. I love those guys. I yeah. love those guys. <laughs> Uh, Carol Roscoe as Daphne, Brian S. Lewis as Cass. Now, Brian S. Lewis, to me, he was Cass and Brother Silence, the elfin monk in the orange outfit. Let me see what we have. What do we have here? And he, and he, he was, was actually great because... Really good. Yeah, because he has to play, like, he's very absolutely qualified to be part of this game. He's very into the D&D &D, uh, um, rules and, the, and this group of friends and everything, but he's also very clearly, like, a good-looking jockey type. And so sometimes that, get, you know, remember they're, they're young. I don't think they're high schoolers in this movie, but they're, they're 20, they're 20 something. Yeah, I think, they're, yeah. I think they met in either they met in high school and played in college or something, something like that. Anyway, um, he has this sort of little bit of a struggle inside himself because he, he, you know, just gets, he always gets his way, I guess, or something. And, and then when Daphne comes, comes sort of maths the system, he's like, that's just not how it's done. And he gonna... can't. Win We're actually going to take a look at that very soon. Oh, very cool. Right now. Very How cool, cool. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Uh, hold on, Trey. Yes, and most stubborn monk who is absolutely not an elf. That is true. Let's see if this works. Here we go. Now. This is a mid-level campaign, so we'll be starting at ninth level. Here's Joe's character. What are you doing? I made a character for you. I want to play my own character. I know. That's why I made you one. You think I can't make my own character? Look, it's nothing personal. You're going to be our fighter. There's certain requirements you have to meet. Like what? Well, a fighter has to be the strongest guy in the party. Has to have a higher armor class and hit points out the ass. And that is what I made for you. Let me see that. Everybody's game with someone like this jackass. The pedantic rules guy. Bikini male? <laughs> what the hell is bikini male? Only the very best armor a female could wear. There's a picture of it right here. <laughs> that looks like it chafes. She fights with a broad sword? Broad sword. I get it. Yeah. Kevin, help me out here. Guess what? He explained the joke. Yay. Come back to me. <laughs> so much more fun when the joke gets explained. So I, the, part of the reason I love this movie so much is, uh, you know, if you've ever role played, you have that. They did such a good job of capturing the role playing. Ex- that's hordes outside. Capturing the role playing experience. You always have pedantic guy who's trying to break down the rules. You have overly competitive guy. You've got guy who's not really paying attention to anything. Uh, and we uh, we did have girls in our group, even back in the back in the late eighties. Did they have to wear bikini mail? They did not have to wear bikini mail. Yes. I don't remember what the their. I think they both. I was a I was a halfling thief. <laughs> Shocker! I, it was very. Well, I'm so surprised. I played it very close to reality, which is oh, there's a big fight. I'm gonna fade back over here. <laughs> I'm Homer Simpson into the bushes. Stab people in the back because I don't want to get hit in the face. That's no good for me. And uh, it was Robin and uh, Laura, and they both decided they were both going to be happening thieves. <laughs> so basically, we just hung out and stabbed people in the back. But yes, the they do play in this movie. They play they some commentary on it's not the misogynist nature of role playing. I don't know what it's like nowadays, but back then, it just was hard to find girls who would be into it. And I don't know if we asked enough, but we did get a couple. But at least they embrace that, and uh, and she winds up being the math hacker in the rules mm-hmm. and uh, excels, and then. Christian Doyle as Luster and Jennifer Page also as Luster, which is oh my goodness, such a good thing because if you part of role playing is you're supposed to stay in character, so you can goof off. But when you're on at the table, you know you're in character and keep the story going. And they did a wonderful job of having a uh, player who a male player is playing a female character, 
And and the female character, of course, was hot like fire. Right, because you, know, she's you get the to red choose dress. that, right? Yeah, you get to choose that. And then... So he creates his, himself a female character yep. who's hot like fire. Yep. Yeah. And then in the movie, every time all of a sudden it's not the female hot like fire, it's him in the exact same dress and a wig. That means he has come out of character and is doing things that are not... Uh, do not fit his character class. And it was such... It was really a lovely... Yeah. Lovely, delightful touch in the mm-hmm. whole thing. I thought it was great. And when he, one of the things about me again, not really, not really a gamer at all. Um, it was charming to see him mm, at, kind of recognize that he's come out of character and like own the obligation of like, ah, oh, geez, you're right. I'm sorry. And, and then like you saw, sort of tag team with the uh, smoking hot blonde. Uh, kind of uh, elucidates that for a non-gamer pretty well. Uh, Howard Dentelich said the movie they made before this was a $5,000 budget. This was clearly more than $5,000. I I don't know how much it was, but you look at the cast, just watch the credits at the end, you got to feed, it was at least 100 people involved in this, would you think? You got to feed those people over multiple days. And that, you know, you can't ask, you can't make a movie and say, hey, can you guys bring your own box lunch? Which, I mean, I guess you could, but... Clearly, this was storyboard. Worked hard in the script. They gave room for the actors to ad lib and create. Uh, and, and it was, it. If you're used to watching the Avengers, you may your first glance at this might be, oh come on. We had a couple couple of hardcore fans who were like, we made it five minutes in, and we'll catch you on the story <laughs> smack, but we're not going to watch the rest of it. To be fair, you. The amount of work that went into this to create a polished product like this, even if they didn't have the big budget for special effects and lighting, etc., mm-hmm. is really impressive. I mean, yeah, it's really, it's I think feature. it has to be at least a hundred and maybe hundred and fifty thousand okay. dollars at the okay. very least, because they have this enormous crew. They have CGI. They have tight, consistent title cards. They have mm-hmm. things that mean at some point somebody invested money into that. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part of this that was delightful was the amount of support they got from the gaming community. If you if you're a gamer or gamer, especially back in the day gamer and you watch this, uh, they have, you know, like the Munchkin card game and they do base some stuff on Steve Jackson games. They're actually using D&D third edition. And you see in the credits and they got permission to use all of it. So my guess would be. Uh, hopefully they got some promotional consideration because yeah. back then D&D was, you know, rich enough to be like, yeah, here's 10 grand, use our products. Yeah. I also so. loved that um, there were a lot, there's a horde of zombies and there's a horde of pirates and, and a lot of those players, uh, the actual humans were the same. They So they must have, I wonder if they had all the big crew for like a day or two. And it was like, okay, you're going to start as pirates. Then after lunch, you're going to become zombies. And then after that, you're going to become a horde uh, to help manage costs maybe. Because a lot of them are clearly like from the same family with the same surname and stuff like that. It's pretty fun. Yeah, you could tell they, they were reusing, people were orcs in one scene and then they were regular, they were zombies in another. Uh, but it was fun to watch. The, the They did also did a great job on the outtakes. Uh, you know, at the end of the movie is the credits roll. You see these people doing the outtakes and they were having a blast. Mm-hmm. That was, that's the thing about this movie that won me over the most is the uh, the energy and enthusiasm of, of the cast is absolutely infectious. And I, I, I think that probably has to be attributed to Matt Vansel, the director. I think he gave him a good script to work with. Mm-hmm. But you could tell this guy was encouraging a super fun, inclusive, joyful filmmaking experience. Because making a film, what little work I've done on it, it's 
it's very it's drudgery. A lot of it's a lot of drudgery. Mm-hmm. You act and I'll go sit down for five hours while we readjust the lights or something like that. Right, right, right. Sure. And you you have more experience acting than that. But it's the same. It's the same. Like there's 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 either and and in my experience also that's true of the theater. It's either you're there's the let's put on a show and you're all sort of in it together. Even if your job is to just sit there and wait. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a if it's a set like that, that's way cooler and more fun. And you know they're not getting a ton of money for this so that it was a cool inclusive fun environment is was great hold on always nice to see somebody showing tuning in for the first time and come in and say i love your books i don't think <laughs> i don't think she sounded like that but that's i love your books Probably not. okay we have one more clip to show okay is there any more peas uh yes oh lord performance oh that's not so bad let's talk about the acting how do you, how, your thought on the acting? So here's the thing. I think that the the environment called for a unique thing as an actor because they had to be acting like they were acting and they had to be able to pull that off. So they had to have a sort of, we'll call them their base level character, which is the human that they're playing. And then they mm-hmm. had to play whatever that they were choosing. And they had to be sufficiently different outside of costume for that to kind of work and matter, especially in the, in the one where it's a gender bent uh, character and he keeps screwing up, um, you know, keeps flirting with women as a woman and whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and that's not what the gamer would do. So that's, that's out of whack for him. So I think that was very, very good. And they, they played right. They, I believe most of those characters, most of those actors were good at the timber of the show. They were, yeah, they were, very good. Yeah, Very there's good. A, a little kid demon at the end who is not really ready for prime time, which yeah. is saying a lot in this movie, but he's also a kid. <laughs> you know, he's also clearly like 11 and or 12 and covered in terrible makeup and uh, doing the best he can. But that's the, the benefit of the CGI right there in that scene. Yeah. So yeah. I think it was overwhelmingly, it fit the... The, the setting and the, the vibe of the movie. Yeah. There were some terrible performances and there were there a couple were. of really good performances. The guy who plays Mort? Was that the bald guy? Yeah, with yeah the, the bad guy yeah. with the double mohawk? He was yeah. great. He was so cheesy and over the so, top. But that, I think purposefully that was great. I think yeah. it was intentionally that cheesy and over the top. More like a soap opera actor. Yes. Well, it, yes. And as I said, I thought that uh, the guy who stole the show was... Uh, shoot, what was his name? Brian S. Lewis. And we've also, we started watching the next movie from these guys called Hands of Fate, uh, which is a card playing game, as we mentioned earlier. And the acting in that one goes up. Everything seems to have gone up a notch. It's better lighting. It's better framing. It mm-hmm. flows really good. The acting is, not that the acting was bad in this one, but uh, every you can tell everybody, ready for this? Everybody got a bunch of experience points and leveled up. Huh? See, leveled up, because it's a D&D game. And if I wasn't able to catch it, you helpfully pointed out that yeah. you were going to say something spectacular. Yeah, yeah, something absolutely spectacular. We're going to watch this clip. <laughs> they introduce um, Lodge, the Game Master, introduces Sir Osric, who is an NPC, which is when you are running a game, is a cheating way to make sure that your players stick to the story that you have worked Dozens, if not hundreds of hours on. You work on maps and, and you work on characters. Character. Non-player character. So then with my with my jackass friends in high school, they took joy out of like, well, we know Scott's worked on this for like 30 hours. So we're going to break the story in the first 10 minutes and go do something he doesn't want us to do. 
You have to learn how to handle that as a as a game master, as a dungeon master. How'd you do? I uh, assume not well. How, how would I do? Yeah. It was it was uh it was always a little it was always a little tricky. I like I like the narrative to follow a specific path. Hey Jennifer Hawthorne. Um so we had they we we had to work on that. But one way to do it is to introduce non-player characters that kind of if that person is playing according to their character and they insist the group goes and does something, in the spirit of the game, the other characters, if they are sticking to their character, they have to go. They have to go. So this is Sir Osric. Uh, let's go back to movie clips. Now, this is a mid-level Oops. campaign, so we'll be starting at yeah. ninth yeah. level. Here's Joe's character. Gonna... What are you doing? Here we go. This is Sir Osric. You can tell he's uh, ad-libbing here, trying to come up with funny things. He has, he's been sent out of the pub, of the, the pub, is that what they call it? No, the, what do they call it? You go get drinks? Uh, the, um, pub? Tavern. Tavern. Oh, it's, yes. And the, with, without a flagon. Sent out of the tavern without a flagon. Everyone's in the ta- in the tavern having stew, because that's all you eat when you do uh, D&D. Here's him coming up with ways to say he's going to kill all of the evil things. Show yourself, Philip! Thou canst not escape my justice. Come forward, so that I may smite thee with my mighty blade. Truth shall descend upon thy wickedness as an angel of righteous fury. Deceivers, this ends now. He's over there. Thou shalt die a thousand deaths, shadow spawn. I shall mete out my justice upon thy loathsome brow. I shall spread the buttery justice of Theron over the toast of your iniquity. The succulent jam of light shall sweeten the sourdough of your evil ways. The creamer of light will dull the bitterness of your evil, unholy coffee taste. The spatula of purity shall scramble the eggs of your malfessence. That's correct. The spatula of purity shall scramble the eggs of your malfessence. Yes. So, spectacular. This is our first experiment in live streaming Story Smack. We hope you've enjoyed it. We apologize for the audio issues beforehand. And can, can go ongoing. We're not normal. Because it's not a day that starts with a T. It's not a day that starts with a T. Apparently our gear only works on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we're going to s- probably not strip the audio from this and put it in the podcast feed because <laughs> the audio is going to be crappy because we're going over the, the microphones from the monitor and not our actual microphones. Real quick, we will sit here. If you guys have any questions, we will answer them. But I, while we're doing that, I, I think I started role-playing, I think I started when I was a sophomore. No, I can't, I can't quite remember. I Don't look at me. I don't know. We played, we just, we played a bunch and we were all, we, my whole group of honorless students, two future PhDs, future number one New York Times bestseller. Uh, we were on the devil worshiping list in Sheboygan where I grew up because we played D&D and the district attorney Joe Kikusti had, which is crazy because he was like one of our little league coaches. So he knew all of us. So we were on a devil worshiping watch list. Because nobody knew anything about D&D back in the day. and um, But we played nonstop. And other mothers in town, my mom would go to town and they'd be like, you're letting your son play that game? Why are you doing it? And my mom would be like, because I know exactly where he is every weekend. He's down in the basement with the friends. I know what he's eating. I know what he's drinking. I know who he's talking to. Where's your child? And <laughs> mom had a little bit of sass to her, you know. And the, 
invariably the the parents who were asking my mother that question, their kids were out in the woods getting just hammered, driving out in a two track in the woods and getting getting crocked. Yeah, just like my friends and no. Yeah. I don't even know what a two track is. <laughs> two two tracking. Two tracking, for those of you who don't know, is when you live in a very rural community and you take trails out into the woods where there are roads, so to speak, but the road isn't even, it's not even a dirt road. It's just two tire tracks oh, through the tracks. grass mm-hmm. that wind away into the woods. Oh, it's like it. it's a lot of Friday the 13th serial killer crap. I'm not going to lie to you. It's like you're driving these things and it uh, it looks it looks very straight. Once you've moved away and you come back and you go two tracking, you're like, I'm out of here. I want to live. I want to be live. where there's pavement. I don't want to be around here at all. Let's see if we have any questions. And oh, we'll Danny Lundy changed his icon to the uh, Seattle okay. Kraken. I love it. So Philip Wentz says, when is the next GFL book coming out? You can and answer this that. Is, yeah, this is a thing we talk about a lot. We probably continue, need to continue. We had moved it from, um, we said it would be out by April 1st of 2020. And then in November of 2019, we started to broadcast that we knew that that wouldn't be possible because it's so big, it required another whole edit and uh, that would move it out. And we would do it sometime this summer. And then COVID-19 happened and people got sent home who were non-essential, which includes our book printer and includes our um, our customer service staff there. So we're having trouble figuring out how we would actually safely get the books printed and sent. So our current goal is that uh, we are are thinking there's a GFL novella that I think comes out first. Yep, The Stone Wolves. And that will be digital. Yeah, called The Stone Wolves. That will be digital only. Um, And that should be out, um, I'd say, by the end of September at the very latest. Uh, That has a little less production in it um, because it's shorter. So we would do that, and then we would do uh, GFL 6 in the same format. We would do digital and audio ASAP, and if you purchase the hardcover, you'll automatically get the ebook sent to you once we have it. Um, and then as soon as we can safely print <laughs> and produce uh, the book, we'll get that sent out to you. We're hoping to have the book shipped by the end of 2020, but until I actually know when we'll be on the presses, I, I can't I, I can't know that for sure. But that's the goal. Uh, Contonius, yes. This is a guitar in the background. It's been here for all of the live streams. This is a... uh, I'm still actually learning to play guitar. I play bass, and my basses do know that I am cheating on them. They welcome the musical menage a trois, if you will. But it's orange and black, and that's what matters. All right, any any other questions we've got right here? Howard says, 80s kid here. My parents were into the satanic panic stuff. They had a book called Turmoil and Toy Box that told them what I was allowed to watch, etc. He-Man and D&D were forbidden. Howard, I'll tell you this. Where I grew up in Sheboygan, Michigan, we had a we started to get cable at some point, and people subscribed to cable. But the lady who ran the cable company, the lady who ran the cable company in Sheboygan, <laughs> decided that because Smurfs used black magic, they were satanic, so no one in our town could watch the Smurfs. Very, very, very rural type stuff. I know I have told you this, but I grew up in New York City. Mm -hmm. I grew up in New York and uh, had my mother wouldn't let my brother and I watch the Brady Bunch. So I have essentially no knowledge of the Brady Bunch. And I'm unique or rare anyway in my um, age group and my generation because my mom thought that it was unrealistic that no matter what happened, 
by the end of the episode, whoever, whatever kid had been in trouble was now not in trouble. And she's like, you know what? Like Jan could kill a guy and all she'd be, all that would happen is she wouldn't be able to use the swing set in the backyard until the end of the episode. And she was real mad about it. Mm -hmm. And here I am 30 years later or 40 years later. And I have no idea if that's true or not because I've still never seen it. I would like to do some Brady Bunch fan fiction where Jan does kill a guy. I think that'd be pretty sweet. But that was her. And I was like, that seems like that she would get more than just, uh, you know, told she couldn't use the swing set. <laughs> and my mother's like, well, it's still unrealistic. I'm like Philip yeah. Wentz says he's excited for the book. They've collected all the GFL books. Gotta say GFL is and a he's favorite series. Oh, fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, Seth says, future recommendations, Dark Dungeons, it's a straight face adaptation of the Satanic Panic Chick Track, Click Track? I don't know, by a lot of the same people who worked in The Darkness Rising. That's nice. a good one. Yep. And you guys, if you've not seen, do you remember Tom Hanks' first movie? Tom Hanks, we got to look this up. Uh, we're going to we're gonna do this, then we will let you all go. But uh, Tom Hanks' D&D movie is called Mazes and Monsters. This is at the height of the satanic panic. Mazes and Monsters. I, I think the movie's old enough. It probably won't be a spoiler. But they are doing live-action role-playing of D&D. And poor, poor young Tom Hanks just loses his little mind. Because, you know, the D&D was so satanic and so compelling. It could warp your minds. Oh, does he never recover? Yeah, he never recovers. Oh. It's... it's, uh, it's uh, Jennifer says, how spooky can you say Marsha, Marsha, Marsha? <laughs> uh, do I have any glasses up here? I don't think I do. Wait, I'll, I'll tell you. Oh, oh, Lord. Oh, oh, Lord. I, I tell you know what we're doing. I'm going to do spooky Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And he had to move furniture to do it. Well, that's I. the links I will go to for people. Ready? I, I guess. Marsha. 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 <laughs> when you uh, forcefully take off your glasses and use them to point in any way, that, as we have seen in the movies, is a big, big deal. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to finish this up. It's uh, We're happy we got the show done. There's still about 100 of you hanging out. We had big numbers earlier, but we screwed up some stuff. That was The Darkness Rising, and that is our review. We will be watching The Gamers, The Hands of Fate, for a future story smack, we don't know exactly when that will be, but I highly recommend this movie. If you've ever played D&D, you will love the sheer joy of this movie uh, and pay attention to what they managed to accomplish with their limited budget. It's, it's pretty impressive. The whole thing top to bottom is pretty impressive. Is it a summer blockbuster movie? No, it's not. It's is still it, super for fun. For this summer, is it a fun, like either family date night or fun date night or movie popcorn, like do the whole popcorn thing and put it on the side of your house? Absolutely. It's definitely not going to cheese off the neighbors. Uh, and it's definitely going to take your mind off the, you know, the complete disaster that this summer is. Are we going to try and do this every Sunday or is it intermittent? Sunday's like a good day for it though. Yeah, right? I think Sunday's, Sundays are a good day, day for yeah, it. Laid back. We're going to try and do it at least every other Sunday. At least every Sunday. So we uh, will, please, if you are not subs if you're not following us at facebook.com slash Scott Sigler or sign up for the newsletter at scottsigler.com slash newsletter or follow me on Twitter at Scott, Sig at Scott Sigler. Figure out a way to follow me. We will let you know when the next Story Smack is coming and what the movie will be. We'll probably pick that movie during one of our Tuesday or Thursday episodes of Sigler in Place. 
So if you haven't watched Darkness Rising, go watch it. It's fun. If you did watch it, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed this installment of Story Smack. Thanks for putting up with our technical difficulties. Oh. I think we're going to get offline and work on the audio. Yeah, we're going to go work on the audio right now. And we give a big dating game kiss for Story Smack. I don't know the rules. Did you? Is there a P with it? Sarah. We're going to get to the bottom of this. The P, 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 P. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.